Book Three, Chapter Two of The World's Desire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Desire by H. Rider Haggard. Chapter Two The Coming of Pharaoh. Presently, as she walked, Miriam saw Ray the priest and the veiled woman at his side and she saw on the woman's breast a red jewel that burnt and glowed like a heart of fire then like fire burned in the heart of miriamun for she knew that this was argive helen who stood before her helen whose shape she had stolen like a thief with the mind of a thief say she cried to ray who bowed before her say who is this woman ray looked at the queen with terrified eyes and spake in a voice of warning this is that goddess who dwells in the temple of hathor he said let her pass in peace o queen in peace she shall pass indeed answered miriamun what saidest thou old daughter that goddess nay no goddess have we here but an evil working witch who hath brought woes unnumbered upon chem because of her men die month by month till the vaults of the temple of hathor are full of her slain because of her it was that curse upon curse fell on the land the curse of water turned to blood of hail and terrible darkness ay and the curse of the death of the firstborn among whom my own son died and thou hast dared ray to bring this witch here to my palace halls by amen if i had not loved thee always thy life should pay the price and thou and she stretched her hand towards the helen thou hast dared to come it is well no more shalt thou bring evil upon chem hearken slave and she turned to kuri the sidonian draw that knife of thine and plunge it to the hilt in the breast of yonder woman so shalt thou win freedom and all thy goods shall be given thee again then for the first time helen spake i charge thee lady she said in slow soft tones bid not thy servant do this deed for though i have little will to bring evil upon men yet i may not lightly be affronted now curry hung back doubtfully fingering his dagger draw knave draw cried miriamun and do my bidding or presently thou shalt be slain with this same knife when the sidonian heard these words he cried aloud with fear for he well knew that as the queen said so it would be done to him instantly he drew the great knife and rushed upon the veiled woman but as he came helen lifted her veil so that her eyes fell upon his eyes and the brightness of their beauty was revealed to him and when he saw her loveliness he stopped suddenly as one who is transfixed of a spear then madness came upon him and with a cry he lifted the knife and plunging it not into her heart but into his own fell down dead this then was the miserable end of kuri the sidonian slain by the sight of the beauty thou seest lady said helen turning from the dead sidonian no man may harm me for a moment the queen stood astonished while ray the priest muttered prayers to the protecting gods 
then she cried be gone thou living curse be gone wherefore art thou come here to work more woe in this house of woe and death fear not answered the helen presently i will be gone and trouble thee no more thou askest why i am come hither i came to see him who was my love and whom but last night i should have wed but whom the gods have brought to shame unspeakable odysseus of ithaca odysseus laertes son for this cause i came and i have stayed to look upon the face of her whose beauty had power to drive the thought of me from the heart of odysseus and bring him who of all men was the greatest hero and the foremost left alive to do a dastard deed and make his mighty name a byword and a scorn knowest thou Miriamon, that i find the matter strange since if all else be false yet is this true that among women the fairest are the most strong thou art fair indeed Miriamon, but judge if thou art more fair than argive helen and she drew the veil from her face so that the splendour of her beauty shone out upon the queen's dark loveliness thus for a while they stood facing each other and to ray it seemed as though the spirits of death and life looked on one another as though the darkness and the daylight stood in woman's shape before him thou art fair indeed said the queen but in this which has thy beauty failed to hold him who thou wouldst wed from the most shameless sin little methinks can that man have loved thee who crept upon me like a thief to snatch my honour from me then helen bethought her of what ray had said that Miriamon loved the wanderer and she spoke again now it comes into my heart egyptian that true and false are mixed in this tale of thine hard it is to believe that odysseus of ithaca could work such a coward deed as this or unbidden seek to clasp thee to his heart moreover i read in thine eyes that thou thyself dost love the man whom thou namest dastard nay hold thy peace look not so wildly on me whom thou canst not harm but hearken whether thy tale be true or false i know not who use no magic and learn those things only that the gods reveal to me but this at the least is true that odysseus whom i should have wed has looked on thee with eyes of love even in that hour when i waited to be made his wife therefore the love that but two days agone bloomed in my heart dies and withers or if it does not at least i cast it from me and tread its flowers beneath my feet for this doom the gods have laid upon me who am of all women the most hapless to live beloved but loveless through many years and at the last to love and be betrayed and now i go hence back to my temple shrine but fear not Miriamon. not for long shall i trouble thee or kem and men shall die no more because of my beauty for i shall presently pass hence whither the gods appoint and this i say to thee deal gently with that man who has betrayed my faith for whatever he did was done for the love of thee it is no mean thing to have won the heart of odysseus of ithaca out of the hand of argive helen fare thee well Miriamon, who wouldst have slain me 
may the gods grant thee better days and more joy than is given to helen who would look upon thy face no more thus she spake and letting her veil fall turned to go for a while the queen stood shamed to silence by these gentle words that fell like dew upon the fires of her hate but ere helen had passed the length of a spear her fury burned up again what should she let this strange woman go this woman who alone of all that breathed was more beautiful than she by the aid of whose stolen beauty she alone had won her love and for whose sake she had endured such bitter words of scorn nay while helen yet lived she could find not joy nor sleep but were helen dead then perchance all might yet be well and the wanderer yet be hers for when the best is gone men turn them to the better close the gates and bar them she cried to the men who now streamed back into the hall and they ran to do her bidding so that before helen reached the palace doors they had been shut and the gates of bronze beyond had clashed like the shields of men now helen drew near the doors stay yon witch cried the queen to those who guarded them and in wonder they poised their spears to bar the way to helen but she only lifted her veil and looked upon them then their arms fell from their hands and they stood amazed at the sight of beauty open i beseech you said the helen gently and straight away they opened the doors and she passed through followed by those who guarded them by the queen and by ray but one man there was who did not see her beauty and he strove in vain to hold back the doors and to clasp helen as she passed now she drew near to the gates shoot the witch cried miriam the queen if she passes the gates by my royal word i swear that ye shall die every man of you shoot her with arrows then three men drew their bows mightily the string of the bow of one burst and the bow was shattered and the arrow of the second slipped as he drew it and passing downwards pierced his foot and the shaft of the third swerved ere it struck the breast of helen and sunk into the heart of that soldier who was next to the queen so that he fell down dead it was the same man who had striven to hold to the doors and clasp the helen then helen turned and spoke bid not thy guard to shoot again miriamon lest the arrow find thy heart for know this no man may harm me and once more she lifted her veil and speaking to those at the gate said open i beseech you and let the hathor pass now their weapons fell from their hands and they looked upon her beauty and they too made haste to open the gates the great gates clanged upon their sockets and rolled back she passed through them and all who were there followed after her but when they looked lo she had mingled with the people who went to and fro and was gone then miriamon grew white with rage because helen whom she hated had escaped her and turning to those men who had opened the doors and those who had given passage of the gates who yet stood looking on each other with dazed eyes she doomed them to die but ray kneeling before her prayed for their lives ill will come of it o queen he said as ill came to yonder sidonian and to the soldiers at thy feet for none may work evil on this goddess or those who befriended the goddess slay them not o queen lest ill tidings follow on the deed then the queen turned on him madly 
hearken now ray she said speak thus again and though i have loved thee and thou hast been the chief of the servants of pharaoh this i swear that thou shalt die the first already the count is long between thee and me for it was thou who didst bring yon accursed witch to my palace now thou hast heard and of this be sure as i have spoken so i will do get thee gone get thee from my sight i say lest i slay thee now i take back thy honours i strip thee of thy offices i gather thy wealth into my treasury go forth a beggar and let me see thy face no more then ray held his peace and fled for it were better to stand before a lioness robbed of her whelps than before miriam in her rage thereon the gates were shut again and the captain of the gates was dragged before the place where the queen stood and asking no mercy and taking little heed for still his soul was filled with the beauty of helen as a cup with wine he suffered death for his head was straightway smitten from him ray watching from afar groaned loud then turned and left the palace but the queen called to the soldiers to slay on even as she called there came a cry of woe without the palace gates men looked each on each again the cry rose and a voice without called pharaoh is come again pharaoh is come again and there rose a sound of knocking at the gates now for that while miriam thought no more of slaying men but bade them open the gates they opened and a man entered clad in raiment stained with travel his eyes were wild, his hair was dishevelled, and scarce could his face be known for the face of Pharaoh Meneptah. It was so marred with grief and fear. Pharaoh looked on the queen, he looked upon the dead who lay at her feet, then laughed aloud. What? he cried. More dead? Is there then no end to death and the number of his slain? Nay, here he doth work but feebly perchance his arm grows weary come where are thy dead queen bring forth thy dead what hath chanced memta that thou speakest thus madly asked the queen she whom they name the hathor passed here and these and another who lies yonder do but mark her path speak ay i will speak queen i have a merry tale to tell thou sayest that the hathor hath passed here and these mark her footsteps well i can cap thy story he whom the apura named jave hath passed yonder by the sea of weeds and there lie many lie to mark his footsteps thy host where is thy host cried the queen at the least some are left yes queen all are left all all save myself alone they drift to and fro in the sea of weeds they lie by the tens of thousands on its banks the gulls tear at their eyes the lion of the desert rends their flesh they lie unburied their breath sighs in the sea gales their blood sinks into the salt sands and osiris numbers them in the hosts of hell Hearken, I came upon the tribes of the Apura by the banks of the Sea of Weeds. I came at eve. 
but I might not fall upon them because of a veil of darkness that spread between my armies and the hosts of the Apura. All night long, through the veil of darkness and through the shrieking of a great gale, I heard a sound as of the passing of a mighty people, the clangor of their arms, the voices of captains, the stamp of beasts, and the grinding of wheels. The morning came, and lo! Before me the waters of the sea were built up as a wall on the right hand and the left, and between the walls of water was dry land, and the Apura passed between the walls. Then I cried to my captain to arise and follow swiftly, and they did my bidding. But the chariot wheels drew heavily in the sand, so that before all my host had entered between the waters, the Apura had passed the sea. Then, of a sudden, as last of all I passed down into the path of the ocean bed, the great wind ceased, and as it ceased, lo, the walls of water that were on either side of the sea path fell together with noise like the noise of thunder. I turned my chariot wheels and fled back, but my soldiers, my chariots, and my horses were swallowed. Once more they were seen again on the crest of the black waves, like a gleam of light upon a cloud. Once a great cry arose to the heaven, then all was done, and all was still, and of my hosts I alone was left alive of men. So Pharaoh spoke, and a great groan rose from those who hearkened. Only Miriamun spoke. So shall things go with us while that false Hathor dwells in Chem. Now as she spoke thus, again there came a sound of knocking at the gates, and a cry of, Open, a messenger, a messenger. Open, said Miriamun, though his tidings be ill, scarce can they match these that have been told. The gates were opened, and one came through them. His eyes stared wide in fear, so dry was his throat with haste and with sand, that he stood speechless before them all. "'Give him wine!' cried Miriamun, and wine was brought. Then he drank, and he fell upon his knees before the queen, for he knew not Pharaoh. "'Thy tidings!' she cried. "'Be swift with thy tidings!' "'Let the queen pardon me,' he said. "'Let her not be wrath. These are my tidings. A mighty host marches towards the city of On.' a host gathered from all lands of the peoples of the north, from the lands of the Tulisha, of the Shakalishu, of the Liku, and of the Sherdana. They march swiftly and raven. They lay the country to waste. Naught is left behind them save the smoke of burning towns, the flight of vultures, and the corpses of men. Hast done, said Miriamun. Nay, O queen, a great fleet sails with them up the eastern mouth of the Sihor, and in it are twelve thousand chosen warriors of the Aquisha, the sons of those men who sacked Troy town. And now a great groan went up to heaven from the lips of those who hearkened. Only Miriamun spoke thus. And yet the Apura are gone, for whose sake, ye say, came the plagues. They are fled, but the curse remains, and so shall things ever be with us while yon false Hathor dwells in Chem. End of chapter 2